All right, guys, it's time for the next level guy show. A men's interview, interest, and improvement focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats covering all aspects of their story from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is the return of legal sex worker, sex educator, intimacy master, a favourite guest of mine, and a genuine person, Alice Little. Alice Little is the number one booking legal sex worker in the United States and works as a courtesan in the Moonlight Bunny Ranch. At only 4 foot 8 inches, she's by far the tiniest lady at the legal brothels in Nevada. A New York native, she's worked as an EMT and a horse jockey, loves electronic and tabletop entertainment, and adores intellectual stimulation. A frequent visitor to Virginia City and fascinated by its history, she loves exploring Nevada and all it has to offer. Alice has presented at over 50 kink and BDSM events nationwide and frequently helps couples with their problems in and out of the bedroom. She's recently started writing relationship advice articles for She Knows Media and was also recently featured on the Tim Ferriss Show. And in this interview, we discuss how to level up your sex life. Now, I know you'll be a big fan of Alice after listening to this, so you'd also want to be sure to check out her first interview, which was her episode 43, which was entitled Alice Little on Intimacy, Connection and Why Perceptions of Sex Work Are Very Wrong. But now, let's get to today's interview. Hope you enjoy. Well, thank you so much for coming back on Alice. You're still one of my favourite guests of all time. You're a bit of a legend in the, the legal sex work industry, but for people who don't know who you are, could you do a quick intro? Yes. Hello. My name is Alice Little, and I am a legal sex worker, sex educator, and kind of an intimacy expert. Now, could you go into a little bit about like how you would actually work with a client? I mean, just could you give, could you give an example of what is involved in legal sex work for people who, who are maybe not aware of that industry? Absolutely. So to give you all a quick little recap of the legal world, here in the States, sex work is only legal in one of the 50 states, and that happens to be Nevada. How it works is that ladies go through a very extensive online application process and then are invited to travel out to the ranch to begin doing their work. We have to undergo a very thorough background check. We're required to obtain a permit from the local sheriff's department. There's doctor requirements that we have to follow. And our services really vary quite dramatically. A lot of people assume it's sex, 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 but it's a lot more than just sex. There's a lot of companionship, connection, getting to simply spend time with someone and enjoy their company because that's something i was really wanting to sort of hit on because we, we discussed that in the last interview about intimacy and building the connection and try to explain to guys it's not all just about wham bam thank you mom it's about actually caring about your partner's feelings you know and actually 
making a connection with that person. So do you think the world is getting more and more open with their attitudes towards sex now with this kind of, I mean, you do a great coffee with Alice where you kind of discuss the the latest trends and topics and you explain some of the, the, the more... T- the, the fetishes and stuff like that that people are maybe not aware of. You know, you do, you've got your great blog. And do you think people are becoming more accepting of sex now? Or have you, have you noticed a, a change in the trend? Absolutely. Slowly, slowly but surely, people are realizing the place that intimacy has in our society. And it's really unfortunate, but it quite literally took a global pandemic for people to realize the simple value of human connection and human touch. Now that we're all really forced to go without this connection, we're able to empathize a little bit more so with those that don't get to have that as a part of their daily life. And many people are like, oh, I get it now. I understand what it is that you're providing with sex work. I understand why people might be interested in this. And so it's been very funny to see it kind of like dawn on people that it's like, oh, yeah, we are, in fact, at our biological core, very social creatures. And we need that kind of connection. We thrive off of it, really. And. Do you think like the way we kind of relied now on technology, is that causing a problem where we've almost removed that physical and sort of face-to-face, you know, that level of communication, but also the level of like building up the intimacy and learning to speak to people? Because you know how you can order taxis, you can order food, we can go on online dating apps and things like that, you know, so you can even book love online. But have we mm. forgotten just, you know, would you say this is causing quite a pandemic of like loneliness and people unable to communicate with others absolutely so when a system is optimized for efficiency and efficiency alone much like the american system has we end up lacking all of the depth that's really required to meet our social needs So we're not getting to make any sort of meaningful connections anymore. We have these very surface level moments. Hi, how are you? Good. Sounds good. Your total's $5. Okay, cool. Have a nice day. And that's as much social interaction as the average person is getting on a day-to-day basis. And that's just not enough. It's quite scary to think that, isn't it? Like to some people, like you see these sort of old age pensioners and that who sometimes go weeks without speaking to somebody and it's it's because of that thing of no I'm doing my job don't bother me no no mm-hmm. you know and we've lost that human connection like that kind of community spirit that used to be available and it I mean do you see that a lot with guys who email in who come to the ranch you know do you see like red flags in their nor in their like non-verbal cues do you see it in the way they write can you kind of anticipate what somebody's going to be like by the way the style of writing or by what they've said or their kind of attitude to how they discuss it you know can can you pick up on that sort of thing i actually try not to make surface judgments based off of someone's email communications because when somebody reaches out for the first time usually they're a little bit anxious maybe perhaps a bit nervous they're not sure how to portray themselves and so They almost struggle to kind of find their voice and 
find out how are they comfortable communicating about these things. Because let's be real here, how often in our day-to-day -day lives do we have an opportunity to communicate in such an open and vulnerable way? We, we really don't, and so it's very unfamiliar to people, and so I almost expect there to be a, a certain level of hesitancy over email. That's normal. I wouldn't judge somebody based off of that. Instead, I find myself relying far more often on body language, whether that be in person or in this time of COVID-19, social distancing style, using webcams to be able to connect and communicate. There's certain little things I can pick up on, like tension in the shoulders. Maybe someone is subconsciously clenching their jaw. Maybe they're not sitting up straight and they don't have very comfortable posture and they're fidgeting and kind of doing the leg shake thing that so many of us tend to do. Those are the little things that I noticed first because that's the body's way of communicating without words is that simple movement, that body language. And when you're able to read that and pick up on it, you can start to respond to what it is that you are seeing. So for example, when I'm in person with my guests and I see somebody's shoulders all the way up near their ears, one of the very first things I encourage them to do is to join me and let's take a few deep breaths together, just in through the nose and out through the mouth and kind of just, ah, sigh and let go of some of that tension. And usually I can watch somebody's shoulders while they materially drop down away from their ears and they relax into themselves a little bit more. I was just doing a few deep breaths there myself, just joining <laughs> in, that's quite good. It's nice, because we really don't take the time to breathe, to slow down enough to take a full deep breath where it's like expanding all the way through your backs and your lung and like, you don't get to feel that full body depth and breath, really, unless you intentionally stop and slow down a little bit and give your body that opportunity to breathe. I mean, something that's big for me is, I mean, I, I always have felt able to kind of discuss sort of more emotionally deep sort of topics, but I know a lot of guys struggle to, like, discuss, like, stuff about sex and emotions and be really open how do you work with somebody then to start building up that openness to a you know to know that they deserve more sex that they deserve better sex that they can go and get what they want from a relationship they don't have to be just the provider of somebody else's um sort of enjoyment you know that we all deserve to have the connection with the person the intimacy and the great sex so how do you yeah. work with somebody build up connection because you're awesome the way I've never seen a bad word said about you so how do you start building that with somebody well it starts by being genuinely interested in the other person and wanting to get to know them as a person before you get to know them as a sexual being you've got to slow down and actually make that connection first what are your hobbies? What are your interests? What motivates you? What do you enjoy out of life? What sorts of things do you struggle with? Like what's your biggest struggle? What's your greatest fear? Various 
things along those lines. Just simply having those types of conversations is a really great launching point for being able to make a good, solid connection with someone that then allows you to really build from there. Like, it's kind of like building a any sort of building, isn't it? Where you want to have this nice, solid foundation, and then you want to slowly but surely build on top of that. If you don't have a solid foundation, unfortunately, there's really no good way to be able to develop a quality relationship where you're really getting to know and care for someone. So how then would you say you have two people who are, you know, sort of, they do have that connection, maybe they've got kids and one person starts wanting more sex than the other person or somebody who's dealing with like sexual guilt or, has, you know, can't get over a bad breakup or stuff like that. How can we kind of get move on from that kind of, you know, how can we help our partners heal if they're going through something like that without putting too much pressure on them to kind of fulfill the physical needs? You know, how can we help people with their emotions and their mental healing and evolution, I suppose? Maybe not the word I'm looking for. Well... The way that I would kind of break that up is before you can have a quality relationship with somebody else, you have to start by having a relationship with yourself, knowing yourself intimately. What do you enjoy? What do you not enjoy? Both out of life as well as sexually. And then be willing to share that with your partner. Be vulnerable. Share the things that you're a little bit afraid to share. Say the things that you're nervous to say and make time for communication in your relationship regularly rather than having maybe a three to five minute conversation after you already had sex and then everybody rolls over and goes to bed. Maybe it looks like setting aside some time to have a romantic dinner. And then I often find that the energy level is kind of raised organically when you're deeply connecting to somebody and getting to know them and connect with them. And eventually you kind of lean into the attractive side of things too. And then one kind of carries the other forward, which is fun. Cause I think that's why you're so successful. Like with your girlfriend package, for example, you know, you take it away from the bedroom and you get to know the person and, you kind of let them express their personality and you, you know, you create the memories together. And that's what I can never understand. It's like when people is, you know, it's a person that's there. It's not just a piece of meat. You know, you, you've got the opportunity to learn about them and evolve as a partnership. Even if it's somebody you've just met on, you know, like a, a one night stand, for example. And it's, it's this kind of attitude. I think some of these immature guys have that, no, we, we don't talk about that. It's just sex, you know? And I just think it's really wrong in today's society that even that's an opinion on people. So one of the big things a lot of guys, you know, especially with this sort of Me Too movement and things like that, how can we ensure consent? You know, it's scary that we have to kind of go back over this, but at what point 
do you like explain about consent what advice about guys because when things start getting heated up some people can get carried away how do we make sure before it you know like in case somebody meets somebody in a club and they're drunk and stuff like that how do we make sure everybody's happy before things proceed so there's different types of consent that we can talk about here so the first type of consent is passive consent which is not saying no that it's very passive where you might reach out and slide your hand underneath your girlfriend's hair wrap your fingers around the back of her neck pull her in for a kiss and she doesn't really like resist against your hand you just you pull her in you kiss her that's kind of like more of a passive consent where they're going with the flow of things and that's the type of consent that most people are used to where an absence of no means yes but true consent and the type of consent that you're talking about which ensures everybody is genuinely interested is active consent where rather than opting out of an activity you allow the other person's space to opt into the activity without any sort of pressure so let's go back to that kissing scenario in this scenario now you take your hand you wrap it around the back of your girlfriend's head you've got your fingers on her neck and you want to pull her in for a kiss but you stop for a second and you ask, may I kiss you? Just as simple as that, may I? May I kiss you? You can state it very specifically depending on what type of relationship you have with that person. Like if it's your girlfriend, you might just give a simple, ooh, may I? And she's like, ooh, yeah. Whereas if it's a new partner, you might be more like, ooh, may I kiss you? Do I have permission to kiss you? Mm -hmm. And the person will then be like, uh, yes, absolutely. And thank you for actually using your words and finding out if I wanted to be kissed or not. I love that kind of answer because it's you know it's not like you have to make it kind of like emotionless you can build it into the scenario but it's that moment of like at any point somebody can say no no i'm not into that and you know we have the use of things like safe words and things like that and i think it's just sometimes with today's society like you know we've made some like you know, like page three, like porn and stuff like that, that a lot of guys take the wrong idea from sex, that it's like for the guy's satisfaction over the girl. And it's really sad because there's so much more better sex when you're, you do as much to the girl's pleasure as is to your own. I mean, why do you think a lot of women don't get the chance to orgasm, don't enjoy sex as much? <laughs> Oh, well, that's an easy one. That's, that's not hard at all to answer. Think back to your own sex education experience. Can you recall at any point in your sex ed curriculum being told about female pleasure in sex? Nope. And that is the reason why nobody knows about female pleasure and sex is because it is absent from the media. It is absent from education. It is absent from our conversations. And many women were never given the language to learn how to ask for their pleasure, how to get those needs met. 
I've met many women that have never had an orgasm prior to the two of us getting to share an encounter together who literally had no idea how to bring themselves to orgasm because they they never thought about it. It wasn't something that was a, a part of their world. Because a lot of people get that, don't they, where it's like against a religious belief or they're told it's dirty or you know you don't touch yourself or stuff like that and it's it's strange it's like of all the things we get taught in school we don't even get taught how to use our body or how it should be used and how you know what respect for it and respect for ourselves but how would you start working with somebody to build the connection not so much just with themselves eh, well, sorry with you but with themselves to understand their body and to understand that yes that they can pleasure themselves that it is acceptable and how to do it do you have a sort of tried and tested manner of doing that mm -hmm. so most people i like to start by asking them why are they choosing to not focus on their pleasure what has that relationship kind of looked like and allow them in really their own words, to tell me what it is they've experienced, what is going on, how they feel about things, etc. And then from there, we start to dissect their relationship with sex and intimacy. Who in your life shamed you for sex? Why do you have that feeling of shame or stigma or fear or anxiety? Where did that come from? Now, is that something that you want to hold true? Do you genuinely believe that? Or is this something that you were simply told at some point in time that this is bad and you just accepted that without question? And so I like to lead people almost in a strangely Socratic way to giving themselves permission to their own pleasure. Because I can say, congratulations, you, my dear, are allowed to orgasm. Like, that's not going to really do anything for anybody. Whereas if you lead somebody on that journey of self-discovery, they're going to be able to, on their own, recognize the fact that, hey, I've been depriving myself and there is literally no reason for me to be doing this. So if we look at, like, you know how you were saying there about in sex education, there's very little, if any, focus on like a female's perspective of like pleasure, etc. How then do most girls discover like self, you know, is it through masturbation or, you know, do you find a lot of people that come to see you, they barely have any kind of involvement and that's like sexual involvement until they meet their partner or they meet a boyfriend or something like that. What kind oh, of things God. are you seeing? It's, it's really all across the map where, some people already have discovered and now they want to learn more. Other people are coming to start that journey of discovery for the very first time. And so it really is like a full scale spectrum of folks coming to see me and meet with me to get all these different types of experiences. Because a lot of people falsely assume that seeing a sex worker is like a one size fits all sort of thing. No. What we do is dependent upon you, your interests, your desires, the things you want to learn about, where you want to discover. Things like that really make a big difference in what 
a, a scenario kind of looks like or what an experience could look like. So, like, for me, for example, like, um, sex or dating and, you know, it's it's a lot in the mind as well. So, like, I love sending the cheeky texts or, the, like, the slap on the bum as you walk past or, you know, mm-hmm. just that kind of the little things, like, even it's the stuff that's not leading just to sex. You just do generally because of, you know, the intimacy or the connection you have with your partner. And I find it kind of just sex happens from these sort of things. But what kind of tricks and tips do you give couples that you interact with to kind of keep that spice alive, you know, to build that kind of cheekiness, the kind of, oh, you know, that sexual chemistry that oh, I can't wait to get you in bed tonight kind of attitude? I find that active, active and specific communication in that direction that is not generic is what really does the trick so hey sexy doesn't really do anything where's the effort like come on you can do better than that come on my dudes like actually think about your partner and what it is you find attractive and give them a specific specific compliment wow i really love the way your hair looks today Something like that is going to be a lot more meaningful to your partner as compared to some sort of, oh, you look real hot. Like, come on, guys. You don't think that girls on the internet get told they're hot 5,000 million trillion times a day? Like, get specific. Get real. Talk about what you find desirable. Wow, I'm really looking forward to getting to spend some time with you tonight. I really... I'm interested in learning more about what makes you tick, how your body works. Does that sound like fun? What do you want to do tonight? Like, that can be a great way to get a conversation going. See, this is why I love having you on. Like, it's just try to explain to people, like, what a girl wants is not what a guy wants or what we've seen in films and stuff like, you know. I mean, that's why I love chatting to you last time because you gave it straight you cut through the bullshit and you just told guys what they needed to hear. And that's why I can see why you become so successful. I mean, your brand is exploded, you've evolved, and you're becoming a lot more mainstream. So how have you found that since you become a kind of like a celebrity off the Tim Ferriss, the BuzzFeed? Oh, I, I do have a bone to pick with you. I noticed I'm not mentioned in your bio line. I was quite hurt, I was quite hurt by that. <laughs> but how have you sort of found... You know, are people coming more to you now because of that that fame, that kind of, I was going to say notoriety, but you know what I mean? Like, you find people are kind of... Alice Little. I don't know. I kind of like that. That's funny. I mean, but do you find that more people are wanting to work with you, kind of, or more people are becoming ex- um, accepting of sex work or understanding the benefits they can get from coming to see somebody like you? Mm-hmm. There's been a really positive reaction and reception to it. And it's even true for the online changeover that's had to been made during COVID-19. People are still very interested in connecting, getting to know me, and I'm very, very grateful for that. It's made my life so much better. Like, I, I guess the best way to describe it is that Every time I get to spend time with somebody, I feel like I have an opportunity to learn just a little bit more 
about them, about their interests, and, and even about myself too. And so it's like every opportunity I have to get to connect with someone, it's, it's really important to me and it's really special. Because you must get such a kick out of that, being able to kind of like know that, I don't want to say broken, but know somebody that comes to you with a problem that's maybe repressed by, because of an incident in their past or two people who couldn't connect emotionally and you help them through that. It must be amazing to feel that because I get like an absolute kick out of speaking to people on the podcast thinking it helps me alone and thinking, oh, well, that might help somebody else in the audience. But to actually go to such a deep level of connection and emotional and intimacy with people, you know, because, I mean, sex is quite a sort of very primal thing. It must be quite amazing. I mean, how do you deal with that that kind of emotion on a sort of daily basis? Well, whenever it comes to connectivity, the way I've always thought of it is that you can't pour from an empty pot. So you've got to make sure that you're taking time for self-care too, that you're prioritizing your needs. This way, you're able to show up for that other person 110% ready and prepared and energized and able to focus on them, their needs, their priorities. So what sort of things should guys have in their... The question I got sent was sex drawer, but I'm assuming they mean like their bedside cabinet. So like, you know, lube, wipes. Um, also, yeah, what should we have in place for a partner who's staying over or a one-night stand? What kind of little things mean a lot to you when you're dating a guy or, you know, a hookup or something like that? All right. So, guys, here's the secret. First thing, you get the girl into your house, offer her something to drink, coffee, tea, water, offer her something to drink, be hospitable. Like, it does make a difference. Make her comfortable. Let her know where everything in the house is. Show her the apartment. Show her your house. Oh, here's the kitchen, then here's the living room. Help yourself to anything in the fridge make her feel comfortable and at home in that shared space. That's that's your just basic starting point. When you bring somebody home, do it the right way. Be a good host for that person. And this is even true outside of the pickup scenario. Like, be nice when people visit your space. It makes a big difference. Second, another really great idea is to prepare by having everything that you need already on hand. So this can look like having condoms in whichever size is the best fit for you. This looks like having a water-based lube, something that's not too sticky, something that is condom compatible. So that's why it's got to be water-based. I highly recommend having a package of baby wipes simply because it makes cleanup really easy. If you're like, oh, no, I can't have baby wipes, chill, go get you the Cottonelle, whatever butt wipes that they sell, wet wipes of some sort of variety, I don't care. Get some that have absolutely nothing added to it, which is why I suggest baby wipes, because you figure babies' bottoms are very sensitive, and so they're very particular about what's allowed to be in that product. And guess what else is sensitive? 
your body, your your actual body, all your sensitive genital regions. Like, don't don't put harsh chemicals down there. I highly recommend having some sort of massage oil. Just a small, simple little bottle. This way you can squeeze it out and give your partner a back rub. And you're not having to be like, oh gosh, where do I go? Where do I find the thing? Like, don't, don't do that. Just have it on hand. I recommend putting both the lube and the massage oil into a Ziploc plastic bag. This way there's no chance of them leaking and getting everywhere. Because I'll tell you right now, that sucks. Oh, I know. I know. Other, oh. other good things to have, some sort of sex toy. I really like the wand-style massagers, like a Hitachi magic wand, maybe a cordless wand, something along those lines that you can use. And those toys, too, can be used not just for stimulating your partner, but they can also be used in combination with massage, too. So, like, you want to arm yourself with as much versatility as possible. And another one, too, that I think is a really good idea that not a lot of people think about is have some sort of, like, sheet or towel that you can throw over your pillow if you want to use that as, like, sex furniture. Sometimes people like to fold up a pillow and put it underneath their partner's hips to elevate them and bring the two bodies closer together. That's all well and good until lube gets on the pillow and then you have to do laundry. So just throw, like, a Casual towel, towel down, like, might as well make your life easy. I love it. I mean, have you ever had sort of, like, experiences of, like, meeting with a guy and he opens a drawer and there's, like, a sh shit ton of sex toys and stuff like that? How should people start introducing these kind of things? I mean, at what point in a hookup, if at all, should these kind of things be used? Or, I mean, because I love going into the whole massage thing and I love doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not vanilla, shall we say, you know, I'm not, like I've got handcuffs and all this kind of stuff. But does it change if it's a hookup to dating? Or, you know, how do we then make sure, you know, you keep the consent, but you keep the attraction, you keep the intimacy, and you don't end up like somebody's feeling used at the end of it? Communication. You're going to get real tired of that word because I'm going to use it as almost the answer for everything. But when it comes to exploring things that are outside of vanilla, like I won't say they're kinky, but they're just like outside of vanilla, you know, vanilla adjacent things like sex toys, massage. You want to ask the person in a way that does not tell them how to answer. For example, if I say, of course you love massage, right? You're like, uh, yeah, I guess. That's kind of like telling the person how to respond rather than creating an opportunity for them to respond genuinely. And the best way to do it is to phrase it as an open-ended question rather than a yes or no question. You can even ask the person, how do you feel about massage? What kind of massage do you enjoy? And then allow the person to describe to you and more than just the one word of yes or no, but actually be able to describe to you what it is that they do enjoy because then it gives you the opportunity to respond and ask questions until you feel like you've got a quality understanding of what they enjoy and then you can ask things like so would you feel comfortable with me giving you a back massage and kind of focusing on your neck and collarbones like you were talking about i'd love to do that for you 
because it's it is superb when you know if you start in that whole massage thing of like you see people relax and you feel that connection and they kind of you kind of come onto the same level of each other but how should we like start undressing each other and use like kissing and that like what should you be doing with your hands as we're getting into that like before the clothes come off how do we then start building up that kind of heat if lack of a better word yes so i kind of like to think of this as almost foreplay before the foreplay because most people are familiar with what to do once the clothing comes off but they're not quite sure how to get the clothing off or what to do while the clothing is still on. And the answer is really simple. The same exact way that you would be touching your partner with their clothing off, you can touch them with their clothing still on and it's going to give a very, very different sensation to that that they would experience while they were perhaps uh, naked. So like you can wrap your arms around your partner's back, let your fingers explore their sides and down their spine and to their hips and kind of give a little bit of a squeeze, maybe feel your body press against their body, maybe pull them in closer, wrap your arms around and play with that space a little bit. What happens if you kiss down the side of somebody's neck and then across the front of their throat and then up the other side of their neck and maybe they respond really positively when you slowly kiss or touch their earlobes and until you take the time to actually go ahead and do these things you don't get to have that experience. Because for me it takes I can go for ages doing that sort of thing I mean when I was um, what was I 16 17 something like that I remember reading somebody saying that, you know, like 16, 17 year old girls very rarely have somebody not just try to take their clothes straight off, you know, to really you should spend a lot of time before playing chatting to them and building it up and building the excitement. And it worked a treat. And I couldn't understand why guys didn't do this. You know, I thought everybody would kind of build up to that sort of moment of where they, you know, everybody's desperate to get down to it kind of thing. But I couldn't understand why that's not a normal thing. Is this the, you know, because people demonize porn, for example, on sex education. Is this what we're not taught? It's like connecting with people, do you think? Mm, very, very much so. I find that people have no idea how long things should last. So like, Guys have this idea sex should be an hour long and they somehow think that they're supposed to be thrusting in and out of their partner for literally an hour. Dude, no! That is not what we mean when we say sex should last around an hour. Like, it's slowing down, enjoying 10 to 20 minutes of foreplay first, going really slowly getting that enjoyment, that pleasure, rather than rushing through to the next thing. It's really a good idea to let go of sexual expectations and, oh, well, we got to get the clothing off and get right into it and blah, 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 blah. Like, no, enjoy every single part of sex as thoroughly as you can. I mean, a big thing I love doing is, like, you know, the sort of, the massaging and things like that as people are sort of going down and they're still got their underwear on and you know like at that kind of level 
what kind of things do you do? I mean, you've you've done a great thing about like hugging, hesitation. Well, what songs do you play? Would you put on in the background, if anything? What about mutual masturbation? Those sort of things. What kind of ways do you build in the foreplay and start getting things moving? Tease. Don't just go for gold here. Actually run your fingers up and down your partner's legs, up and down their body. Explore them from head to toe. It's not just a straightforward wham, bam, we're here, we're going to do the thing, let's go. It's really taking that time to like, maybe you start at your partner's knees and then you're slowly teasing your fingertips up and into their inner thigh, but then you skip and now all of a sudden you're brushing your fingertips over their lower stomach. And as to music, I really like a genre called um, chill step music it's got like kind of a nice funky beat to it but it's not super loud and if there's vocals they're usually pretty soft and quiet so it's just the kind of thing you can like nod your head along to and be like yeah all right this is great cool it's time for a quick break there are millions of potential products to buy so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money simple you go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and level up. So see what, when that's sort of happening and you know, people are sort of getting into things. A lot of girls go on about guys not wanting to, I don't like the phrase, go down on them, you know, like oral sex. Where do you see guys go wrong with oral sex? I mean, why do guys expect it, but girls don't, you know, or is it guys are selfish? Or I mean, I, to be honest, I love it. But is it because guys don't know what they're doing? Or is it that they it takes too long in their minds or they don't know what they're doing so they can never satisfy a lady what kind of tips do you give or do you see guys going wrong when it comes to like oral sex and that sort of thing the biggest mistake that guys are doing is going right to the clit and doing nothing else other than being super aggressive and pressing down as hard as they can guys the female anatomy is very different than the male anatomy the female anatomy is extremely pressure and touch sensitive. And as such, the last thing you want to do is go right for your partner's clit. You want to tease and touch and go slow. And when you're with somebody for the very first time, I highly encourage you to make your oral sex experience something that you're talking about while it's happening. Hey, tell me what you enjoy. How does this feel? How does that feel? Do you like it up or down a little bit? How is that good? Finding out what your partner enjoys is so imperative because not all girls are the same. So just because you were able to get your ex off no problem by doing one very specific thing doesn't mean that your next partner is going to enjoy that thing as well. So I think it's really, really important to 
I'm going to say the buzzword, communicate during oral sex and actually like invite your partner to give you feedback. Let them know it's okay to be like, no, that feels terrible. Do this instead. Like, oh my God, I wouldn't want to do something to someone that they're not enjoying and just be like, oh yeah, that feels so good. And part of that responsibility is on the ladies too. For those that are listening, ladies, ladies, you got to stop faking orgasms if you want to have good sex. Fact, you cannot give your partner incorrect information and mix signals and then expect them to know what in the world to do with your body. You're literally setting them up for failure. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to them. Respond authentically when your partner asks for your feedback, please. Well, I mean, maybe I'm just weird, but when I was younger, like even now, I used to look up and I'd look at techniques to use and I'd be like, oh, brilliant, I'm going to try this. And, you know, like it'd be like a massage method or it'd be a thing to do to kind of like tease or a, t- a way to use a toy for their pleasure. You know, and I, c- I couldn't understand why people didn't do this. And then I would get guys who say, oh, no, I don't like the taste of it, so I don't do that. Or like you know uh you just rub the clit and i was like no or you just do x and that's the method and i thought no that i just didn't get why guys seem to think it was like insert slot a push 10 times you know it's not the konami code my dudes it's not up up down down left right left right ba select start that's gonna get you exactly nowhere because like there's articles and things like the parts of a body for example like a, a girl hardly ever gets touched like on her you know the back of the elbow the back of the thigh you know it's like all these little things like behind the knee and stuff like that and i used to just love that kind of exploration and it's that kind of thing it's like spending a bit of time you know you don't need to get straight to it and there's nothing sexier than seeing somebody like a partner girl male whatever it is your whatever your particular preference is enjoying themselves and seeing them like close their eyes and hitting that level of ecstasy because I love seeing what you're the the pleasure you're giving somebody else. Yes. And so I don't know, is it do you think it's like with their ego where guys don't want to do things where they, you know you're maybe not as good as possible or girls expect you to know exactly what you're doing and they're worried that you're gonna judge them. Is it an ego thing? Is it our kind of we we tie it with our manhood and our masculinity so we think girls will judge us as less of a man if we can't give them an orgasm perhaps absolutely guys tend to set themselves up for the worst case scenario in their heads before sex even starts and guess what is one of the leading causes of having bad sex men (laughs) no being in your head like if you're so focused on your thoughts around the thing that you need to do that you're like getting anxious and freaked out by it, I'll tell you right now, you're setting yourself up for success. Like if you are afraid, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to make her come. I'm not going to be able to make her come. And you start obsessing over it. Well, congratulations. You're not going to be able to make her come because that's the only thing you're worried about, dude. It's like the self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? It's like whatever you think it or create in your head will come true because you're more likely to then attract that or create the situation that's going to make it. So then mm-hmm. what, what kind of positions do you recommend for a hookup or a couple wanting to commit? You know, is there, I mean, again, like guys, they all have different sizes and is there good positions that you find that are great for both people? 
regardless of the size of the, the appendages? Or, you know, do you find that there's better techniques to use with somebody you're just hooking up with that doesn't expose her entire body, you know, that maybe lets her feel more kind of, if, in case she's a bit self-conscious, for example, or, you know, are there better techniques, uh, like sex positions, do you find? Yes and no. It's really difficult to make broad generalizations because it really is the individual and what it is works for them. Some people prefer one position over another position. Other people really default to one specific thing and that's their go-to every single time. So again, gonna have to talk to your partner and kind of find out like, hey, what feels good for you? What kinds of things do you enjoy during sex? And then uh, being open-minded to try things that you might not be familiar with as well. A lot of guys are like, oh, I would never do that because I've never done that. And it's like, come on, stop that. Like, so how then do we use things like during as you're going into it you know i mean a lot of guys suffer from premature ejaculation i got a lot of questions on that so i mean i was used to send articles to them about like controlling your breathing edging these sorts of things and i always assumed that these kind of things were known and you know there's condoms that can desensitize it and things like that but how do you work with somebody that's maybe struggling with that or a couple who you know, they're maybe not getting the sex that they want because uh, the guy can't last as long as he would like to or to give pleasure to his partner? So the best way to kind of extend your orgasm is over time through very specific controlled training. I highly recommend that guys use something called um, like a fleshlight or a sleeve style masturbator. Something that feels as real to the the real thing as possible. And what you want to do is essentially edge yourself just a little bit, like try using it. And then when you feel yourself just even starting to get a little bit close, stop and slow down. Then as you feel that kind of ebb away, pick it back up again. Then, as you get close again, let yourself slow down. And you'll do that process two to three times before you finally allow yourself to actually then have an orgasm. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's like it, it makes it less excitable, shall we say. It gives you that kind of like, oh, you feel the rush, but you don't need to jump over the finish line so i was and this is the kind of thing i used to look at is like how could i do that to a girl how could i build up the fact and then you read and there's a lot of like amazing literature and there's a lot of great products and you know like blogs like yourself that go into these sorts of things and this is where i always find it really strange that guys kind of back away from finding out about this it's almost like we're ashamed to admit we might need help that we maybe don't know everything and that's where like sex educators like yourself are really helping guys to kind of overcome that stigma and that stupidity that we can't ask for help 
in these sorts of areas. But what what's your sort of thing about if a guy's not confident in bed? You know, maybe they're not they lack confidence in their real life. How can we start acting confident if we're not feeling it? If we're say the the your partner really likes the power play or to be told what to do or talk dirty, etc. And you know, they're maybe a bit timid, etc. How can they start incorporating that into it? Guys, fake it till you make it. I wish I was joking here, but I'm totally not. Confidence comes from within. So in order to exude confidence, you've got to feel confident. And even if you don't feel confident, you can fake it. It is totally okay to be like, yeah, I totally got this. Yeah, that's what's up. Got this. Totally. Like, put yourself into the right mindset for it. Feel as confident as you possibly can going into the scenario by focusing on the things that you can control and letting go of the things that you can't. Like, hey, you have no idea if you're going to make her come or not, but hey, I really know some mean foreplay. My foreplay game is hella on point, and I'm going to really be able to show my partner a good time. And I am, rather than nervous, I am excited to get to spend time with them funneling nervous energy into excitement is a really, really great way to kind of get out of your head and kind of give yourself that like mental pep talk of, Oh yeah, that's what's up. So like when you're having sex and you know, like, um, like, uh, sorry, I was going to say clients with guests, what do you find guys tend to do wrong? Is it the fact that we're constantly changing positions just as things are starting to heat up? Or, you know, when is there a kind of a rule or a signs of like a body change or a change in her breathing or the, her attitude that kind of says change the position or change the intensity, change the, like, I was going to say the frequency, but you know what I mean? Like, how do we then start ramping things up and know when to back away, when to increase it? You know, is when she's maybe feeling a bit sensitive or something like that without killing that moment. Is that, again, the communication or is there subtle clues we can pick up on? Body language. Paying attention to body language is everything. If you aren't familiar with body language, pick up a body language book. Watch something on YouTube. Make yourself familiar with the language that your other person is communicating with because what they are saying is only half of the equation and what they are physically saying sometimes can be different. I mean, we we always assume sex is like normal sex, man, man and man, women and women, men, women, whatever your, your, your particular mm-hmm. personal preference is. What about people that, I mean, you do some, um, You've done some amazing videos, and um, one of the things you you kind of looked at were having sex with people with disabilities. You know, like there's certain like couches and things like that that you use, and and able. How can we, you know, like say people who are in wheelchairs and things like that, or they have a partner who's been injured or hurt or these sorts of things. How can we accommodate these sorts of things without making anything awkward or upsetting somebody? and keeping that passion and the connection. Hmm. Well. Hopefully that came across the right way, but you know what I mean? It's like. 
I'm trying to think of the best way to kind of answer that one because it was almost like two questions in one. Because mm-hmm. I've seen people like recently who, you know, there may be like, well, you know, they were born disabled and they've got wheelchairs and they're, they've got a partner or they've like been in a car crash and now they're, you know, their partner is able-bodied and they, they've maybe been left in a wheelchair and they're kind of like, oh, people are saying like, oh, you know, how things in the bedroom and stuff like that. How can they keep that connection without anybody feeling less of a man? Because I think a lot, some guys kind of assume that they should be the dominant partner and it's really silly Oh, you can be dominant as hell from a wheelchair. Let's break that stigma right the heck now. Well, that's the word I'm looking for. Oh, I've got a number of friends that can be an incredibly powerful partner just, just from their wheelchair, no problem. So adaptability in sex, of course, is really going to depend on the individual, on the disability, what kind of mobility equipment that person might be using. But rather than focusing on what you don't have, instead try to use what you do as an advantage. So like if you're in a wheelchair and going from wheelchair to bed is something that requires assistance and makes you feel like it kind of takes you out of that sexy place, well, don't get out of the goddamn wheelchair then and let's just have sex in the wheelchair. Because I'll tell you right now, wheelchairs make really cool sex furniture. Just saying, put your female partner on top. You can spin her around. You can do, like, reverse cowgirl. You can do a lot of stuff all from the wheelchair. And let that be something that empowers the scenario. But, like, let's take this one step further here. Because a lot of guests that I happen to work with are individuals that don't have feeling below the waist, whether it be to spinal injury, um, surgery, cancer, They're essentially paralyzed from the waist down, and so they don't have the traditional sexual feeling. They may or may not be able to get hard in the traditional way. There's actually a number of different adaptable toys and things that you can use if you still want to penetrate your partner. For example, you can use a, um, a sheath that is intentionally designed to make you a little bit girthier, But if you have difficulty staying hard, you can use that to create the rigidity to be able to achieve penetration. And a lot of my guests that are paralyzed from the waist down report that they arrive to orgasm through another method. Most commonly, nipples. Their lack of sensitivity in one part of the body often gets picked up in another part of the body. And so it's almost like rediscovering intimacy again. If somebody has faced recent injury or illness or trauma and is then recovering from that, not only do you have to learn how to make love again, but you also have to fall back in love with your body again too and accept those changes. Because those were the words I was looking for, like that kind of the stigma, mobility. It's it's like, it's not what you've got, what you haven't got, it's what you have got. And it, it's that's the fun part is finding out what makes somebody tick, what gets them going, the bits that you can do. And I get a lot of that from guys where they'll email me in the and say, this has happened. And I feel less of a man. It's like, no, you're still a man. You just, you need to then learn how, what changes to make or how to adapt things. And there's people who are into every Tom, Dick and Harry, but there's some amazing tools out there. Some amazing companies who build all these contraptions and equipment and toys that are designed for these sorts of things. And I, 
it's I'm trying to explain that to guys. It's like, don't feel embarrassed. These companies produce this stuff for people to then to go and use it and enjoy it. And no one should feel embarrassed about sex or what they're into or, I mean, as long as you're not hurting somebody. Well, depends if that's what they're into, but mm-hmm. I just find it kind of strange. It's that even nowadays with the prevalence of porn and all these kind of toys and companies and stuff like that, that we still have a, this attitude towards, no, it's a private thing. No, no, you don't discuss it out there. You don't ask for help. And this is where you're breaking down the barriers and the stigma. And you're kind of like showing people that it doesn't matter what your current situation or where you're coming from or where you're starting from. You can learn to be better at sex or enjoy sex and be accepting of the fact that you can be loved, you can be connected with somebody, you can be intimate and vulnerable and all these kind of things. And it's amazing work you do. But for those kind of people who are maybe a bit more like less than vanilla, shall we say, who are into certain fetishes, how do you start? bringing that in and communicating that you maybe want to try role play, power play, BDSM, whatever it is. What kind of ways have you found are successful in communications? Mm. Well, you've got to first, of course, start with just connecting with the other person as like a baseline. You've really got to establish a connection first before starting to explore kink and whatnot but once you are at the point where it's kind of appropriate you've gotten to have fun a few times so you want to explore more ask the person and put it in a space where they get to share first tell me about your kink experiences tell me about your kink desires what sorts of things do you find enjoyable have you gotten to explore with this was would you be interested in exploring this would it be okay if i share with you some of the things that i'm interested in and some of the things that i've gotten to experience and once the person then opts into the conversation you're golden now you can proceed to really have this genuine quality chat in which you want to ask questions learn more about the specifics of what somebody enjoys and do you find there's a sort of commonality in the the types of fetishes that couples and guys, you know, and girls are coming to see you about? Is there yeah. things that people are into that they're maybe afraid to ask, like regular partners and stuff like this? It because... is a full spectrum of various activities. It's really hard to say that, like, oh, most people come in and they want to try this thing or that thing. Because the reality is, is that people are so incredibly diverse with their interests and mm-hmm. what it is that they are curious about, that it's really hard to say, oh, this is the the one thing that comes to the top. But um, I, I also really don't like to stereotype by saying, oh, this is the thing, that's the thing. But I, I will say, though, a lot of people are very curious about either giving or receiving anal penetration and getting to explore anal sex or pegging and getting to see what that's really about. Because many people find that to be rather taboo and so they don't want to talk to their partner about it, but they're also kind of interested. And so I am a very safe way to kind of have that journey of exploration. 
and you know, there's that stigma again where guys assume that it's not macho if they want to, you know, go down the the anal play route or like you're saying pegging and things like that. You know, can we? How if you had to address all guys listening to this just now? What would you say to them? You know, let's cut the shit. I was going to say cut the shit out, but you know what I mean. What? How? You know, give them a lecture just now about how that is such stupid that it doesn't make you gay for wanting to explore. You know, why would you give up part of your body? Because that's where the prostate gland is. That's where the height of passion, um, you know, pleasure can be for a guy. Mm, but do you have? So. Do you have guys that kick back at that when their partner wants to? To initiate that or to try it in the relationship how do you explain to them what they're missing out on all the time so the way to kind of look at and discuss anal sex is to first know that it isn't gay a lot of people are concerned about oh will i be seen in a certain light if i explore this will i be judged negatively for doing this and the reality is no one is judging you no one is assigning morality to this activity lean into it and enjoy it it's something that we all naturally have as part of our bodies it's something that well, I should say for men anyway, it's something that you were born with. It is your God-given right to explore it. Like, it, it's a body part. It is no different than your big toe or your middle finger or your nose. It just happens to be located about two inches into your rectum. And when it's interacted with, it feels really good. That's not a bad thing. Like, why are we choosing to deprive ourselves of potential pleasure that doesn't make any good sense i feel like well i know people are going to be fed up with me saying this but like i do jiu-jitsu brazilian jiu-jitsu um one of the jokes is that some of the training academies don't teach leg locks you know like t- to finish fights and they're saying well why would you give up half 50 percent of the body and focus only on the top half and I always laugh when I think about these kind of topics because that's the same thing. Why would you not try to explore your body and your partner's body and find out of the whole range of different things they can do? I've just never understood that because of something that you think somebody might randomly think of you. If it's between two consenting adults, you know, in your relationship or your hookup or whatever, Go at it. Enjoy yourselves. It get, um, unless it's illegal or something, I just don't get... Maybe it's... we. I was just raised differently, or I, I've read a lot of different literature, but why do you see a, a common reason from clients? Is it that, like you're saying, that they're, they're just not given the right kind of education, or they're not told how to appreciate their own body, never mind their partner's body? Do you see a right reason? Stigma and shame is really the the main origin point for most people. They never were taught how to experience pleasure, how to discuss pleasure, how to enjoy their own pleasure. And as a result, we're like, is this okay? Is this right? Is this bad? Like, 
the reality is that we don't set people up for quality adult relationships at any point in school before we're adults. No one has those conversations with anyone. And so is it really that surprising? We have a lot of really wild ideas about that and negative assumptions and false assumptions. Like a big one, like the negative assumptions is people assume that if the girl wants to bring in, say, like a sex toy, a vibrator or whatever, that it's a sign that the guy's not good enough, you know, that she needs this to get off, rather than it can heighten the pleasure that the two of you are having or it can, you know, take it in a new dimension or a new method or a new way. You know, why do guys have the stupid idea that the toy is like a competition or it's a sign that she's saying that you're not good enough for her or something like that? Is it is this again with her ego and the musk? We're tying that, you know, we should satisfy woman, you know, with this sort of caveman bullshit. Why, you know, how can we incorporate sex toys or know what to do with them in ter- like while we're having sex with our partners? You know, how how do we encourage our partners to be more vocal in the bedroom and tell us what we what they want and how to use a toy as an addition while we're having sex? Yes, guys, you're not in competition with sex toys. You shouldn't feel threatened by sex toys. Like, they enhance a connection. They enhance a sexual experience that you get to have. It's not... Hmm. I'm trying to think what the right way is to phrase it here, but it's like... We fear things that we are not used to. We don't know how to react to it. And so, again, people kind of have this crazy idea of what and how they should respond. Like, mm. I don't know. I think that sex toys really bring something to the equation, and they're definitely worth exploring. And that's the thing is, once you start exploring it, you'll never look back. I mean, some, some oh, of the God, amazing there's things. There's so many different toys out there. There's like a whole spectrum of different things that you can explore. And there's stuff for guys and girls. There's stuff for partners. There's stuff for like, oh, boy, um, like oh, as, you're, as you're doing it, you know, disabled people, um, able-bodied people, older, younger, whatever it is, there's something, whatever it is you're into, there's something there. And there's a market there and there's people who are interested in it or who are willing to try it. But could you just give a quick intro there about how should toys be cleaned and maintained? You know, because I think a lot of people don't think about that stuff and they kind of just put it away after use, you know, and obviously with bacteria and like the pH balance levels of like the vagina and stuff like that or like, you know, the bacteria that can grow in sex toys if they're not adequately maintained. What kind of, like, methods of of cleaning them and that do you use? I really love the Swiss Navy Toy and Body Cleaner because it's antibacterial, antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral. It, It kills everything. It's really cool. You simply just spray the toy down. It's like, oh, hey, it's clean. Nice, simple, easy, like not super complicated at 
all. And then for storing the sex toy, getting a toy bag is a really smart idea. Like you want to have somewhere to put the sex toy after it's clean. You just don't want it like sitting randomly in the drawer. Like I usually go ahead and like put it into a little storage case for yourself. I love that. Well, before we get into the part three and get you back on, because you're still one of my favorite guests, can you go into just a quick thing on how we can get in touch with you? You know, how can guests book in like a package with you? How can they do the virtual girlfriend experience? Because I think that was your your most popular one at the moment. And how can they kind of keep in touch with you? Social media, how can they email you? You know, this is your perfect time because guys will be falling in love with you just now. How can we go and take a relationship further with you, shall we say? The best way to reach me is going to be through email. And that's alicelittle at thealicelittle.com. I also have my own website, which is www.alicelittle.com thealicelittle.com that has more details about my various services and offerings. And if you're interested in oh, in uh, OnlyFans, you can always find me also as well under Alice Little. Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.